Well, they used to say an apple a day can keep the doctor away. Do you think it could do the same for the politicians and economists? I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, and this episode of Right Angles brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, I happen to be listening uh, to an audible book uh, called Whole, and it's mostly about the scientific benefits of a, of a whole food plant-based diet. But as my mind tends to do, while I'm listening to it and walking around my neighborhood for exercise, I begin to have other thoughts. And just this morning, as we record this, it occurred to me that the government suffers from the same malady that many people and uh, and scientists and doctors do uh, when it comes to health. The government has the same problem with the economy. And, and Steve Green, uh, this is what I mean. Uh, the author of this book said that there has been a lot of focus on trying to find uh, carcinogens and then basically ban the carcinogens uh, in the in the scientific community. Um, there's also been a lot of focus on trying to find sort of, of for want of a better term, the super vitamin. Um, and then, uh, you know, if the government could, I'm sure they would mandate the super vitamin while banning the, the carcinogens. Um, but what they found over and over through the years is that the human body and, frankly, most of the foods we eat are um, redolent of irreducible complexity. In other words, when they do a test on an apple, they find that an apple has some positive benefits and antioxidants and stuff like that that are good for the human body. But by giving one of those ingredients to a human in much higher doses than you would find with an apple, you don't get nearly the effect that you would get if you simply ate an apple. Because, essentially, the apple is super complex and the antioxidant ingredients mix with other ingredients that are inside that apple and they all work together in harmony to help the human body in ways that you can't get by isolating one of those nutrients um, and then turning it into a pill. Um, and Steve, it just hit me like lightning this morning while I was out on my walk. I was like, oh my goodness, that's what they're trying to do with the economy. The economy is an organism. The economy is like the human body. It's irreducibly complex, and yet there are people in government or who work for government or are contractors for government or politicians who all think that somehow we're going to be able to find the gene that we can turn on or turn off or edit. We're going to be able to find the, the one nutrient that we can get into the system. We're going to be able to find the lever that we can pull that's going to turn everything around. Um, and Steve, what if oh, there what is if? no, no that's, such that's thing? That's the whole thing, isn't it? Although I, I realize this was only your, your setup, but I want to address the cancer thing real quick. It, it occurred to me, you know, that, that Prop 65 in California where just everything, uh, doors, cereal boxes, uh, individual Fruit Loops, but it's everything has a Prop 65 warning that, that it, <laughs> the cancer-causing materials me. are contained in 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 this uh, windowsill, just whatever it is, um, I, I I would like to sue the state of California that they're going to have to put Prop sixty five stickers on the Welcome to California road signs. So you know you're 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 on I seventy coming in from yeah. uh, what is that Nevada and is Welcome to California Prop sixty five notice the state of California contains elements known 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 to cause cancer. We've got to do this. We've got Chemicals to get this known done. To, to It'll rot your brain anyway. Surely it's a fruit loop to rot your teeth. Um, here's the thing. 
There was a game we used to play uh, when I was on the softball team in Cub Scouts. So this is, you know, nearly 20 years ago. And um, you take a baseball bat and you balance the butt end on the flat palm of your hand like this, right? And, and you try to keep it upright. And the top of the bat shifts a little this mm-hmm. way. So you shift this, you, you shift it to, to get under it and, st- and keep it balanced. But because you don't, you can't magically intuit where the stopping place is. You have to wait for the bat to go tipping the other way so you can get back under it. And you do this. And as you do this, of course, you're a little more off with each correction until the bat is oscillating so wildly that it falls down and you hope it didn't hit you in the head on the way down. This is politicians and the Fed trying to muck with the economy. Um, you never know quite what this fine-tuning thing is going to do. So you fine-tune it this way you, a little too long, right? We had to leave interest rates really low because we shut down the economy during COVID because we're run by uh, tyrants and idiots and, and, and jerk weasels. So uh, we got to keep the interest rates low. Okay, this is this is the magic cure for uh, this stupid thing the government did. We'll keep the interest rates, except we kept, we kept them low too long. Because at the same time, uh, the Fed is keeping the interest rates low. Uh, Trump and Biden injected, oh, I don't know, eight or ten trillion dollars of funny money into the economy, courtesy of the Democratic Congress. And so the Fed said, oh, well, we've kept the interest rates uh, low. Maybe we should think about raising them. Meanwhile, inflation is up to 9%, 10%, whatever it, it peaked at. And so the Fed was behind the curve. And so now we've got the, the much higher interest rates. And the question is, how long do we keep them high? Well, too long is going to be the answer. And if it's not too long, then it's going to be too soon. Because you just have no one person, no one organization, no one group of the smartest men in the building have enough knowledge to make this work. Um, You know, that was the housing crisis in 2007, 2008. Bill Clinton thought, hey, it'd be great if we make all these people that can't pay loans available for for loans. And sure enough, uh, that bill finally came due in the worst possible way. And I could give you example after example after example, but, you know, we try to keep these segments short. Thomas Sowell, as I noticed, as I noted during our, our backstage, always keep this quote in mind, said, there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. Individuals, we are great at making trade-offs in our daily lives, even just, just moment to moment as we're pushing our cart down the supermarket aisle. Politicians in Washington, D.C., they don't make trade-offs. They think they can control all of this stuff, and they can't. You know, Bill Whittle, uh, this, the author of this book, I think his name is T. Colin Campbell. Um, he And I was, I'm listening to the book, so I don't have like a visual of a lot of things here. I, I wasn't taking notes. But uh, he talks a lot about the, uh, the general scientific view that he calls reductionism, which is basically we're always trying to find the thing that causes the effect. So whatever that thing is, we want to we zoom in on that. And I just got done listening to a couple of uh, books about um, gene splicing and CRISPR and genetic editing and um, and all that kind of stuff. And and a lot in many cases, it was the hunt for that. And it was interesting because the two books came together because in this book, Whole, he talks about how little success that effort has borne. But where it is successful is when it deals with a disease that is known to be caused by a single gene. There are no other factors involved. For example, sickle cell anemia. Sickle cell anemia is like one gene, and if they can find a way to edit that 
that or to switch that off, they can cure sickle cell anemia, which is it's an amazing thing. I think Tay-Sachs disease may be another one like that. Um, but there, there are three factors that he mentions here, Bill, and I want you to think of these in terms of how they, how they would uh, analogize within the, the economy. Um, number one is that uh, individual nutrients rarely work alone. They usually work in concert with other things, and we don't always know which other things they're working with. So there are all kinds of molecules and chemicals and enzymes and proteins mm-hmm. and nutrients that are working together in the body, and we don't know what's going on. Um, the other thing was this fascinating uh, fact that he said uh, when, there are at the time when he wrote this book, I think there were something like a thousand or two thousand known carcinogens. But he said only about half of the known carcinogens were cancer causing in both rats and mice. In other words, some things will kill a rat that a mouse can not only survive, but not even notice. The mouse is not affected by it. But then we're going to extrapolate that experiment on the rat mm-hmm. to, to a human being, which I think is a little less like a mouse than a rat is. <laughs> um, and so, so that's the second thing. And then the third thing is this fascinating fact, in that the human body is incredibly resilient. And in fact... Given just normal nutrition, it can fight off almost anything that comes at it. It's built for that. It's been doing it for a long, long time. And when you experiment in the lab or when you come up with a thought piece about economics, for example, and you say, well, if this happened, we have a tendency to to front load the system with a lot more of a challenge than really exists. But if you just let it flow through, the river wouldn't go in a deep channel, it would go wide, and it would not it would not kill the subject, in this case, the US economy. Um, do you think I'm stretching these analogies or is do you think this this organism, the economy as an organism has some validity? Well, first of all, I think every scientist ought to have it somewhere prominently displayed in their lab, maybe where the paychecks get you know, issued or something, a big sign that says uh, reality is not only more complex than you imagine, it's more complex than you can yeah, imagine. Yeah. And and that would that would go a long way. And I would put the same kind of thing for economists. The economy is not only more complex than you imagine, it's more complex than you can imagine. You will be able to produce a map, but the map is not the territory. I have a map of Texas that shows me where certain roads go, but that map is not Texas. doesn't count all the little bacteria on the backs of all the little scorpions out there in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it is nothing like as complex. It is useful if you understand what the restrictions of the map are. Uh, so if, you, if you're smart enough to figure out this map is useful for me to uh, figure out how to get from uh, Abilene to uh, San Antonio, then a map is useful. If you think the map is going to tell you what the uh, mineral content of the distance between those two areas is, the map is not useful. And this is the problem with map makers, is that they do not realize that, that deep knowledge, deep narrow knowledge is not the same as deep wide knowledge. So this is actually one of the frontiers of science now, actually. It's, it's, it's one of the things that many scientists are excited about. Because up until very recently, science has been almost exclusively reductionist. So reductionist science is for somebody where you take somebody and you give them a piece of concrete, and you tell them there's a golden needle in there, and your job is to find it. And so they just start chipping away. A little experiment. Well, it wasn't in this piece. Another experiment. Yeah. Oh, here's a little corner of it. That's good. That's giving us a hint that it's somewhere in this direction. And next thing you know, you, you sunk my battleship, and you got it all You got it all sorted out. So now you have a piece of knowledge that's interesting and useful, but it alone is not the solution. It's not the answer. There are the the newest fields in science are are a result of us knowing enough now about the way the universe works 
so that we realize that reductionism is not giving us answers anymore. We have, we have, re we have reduced ourselves to the point now where we've got, found all the golden little needles and putting them back together does not create the effect. It, there, the, 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 the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Now, everybody knows that expression, but you got to just stop for a second and think about how magical that actually is if you've got a scientific mind. If you tell somebody that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, and all you do for a living is reduce things to parts, you're going to have some serious emotional reluctance to deal with that. But this is what this is where science is going now, is going from reductionism into synthesism. What, what is this? You know, there's a famous experiment, uh, kind of gruesome experiment, but they, they would, when they were trying to understand what life is, they would take an animal and weigh it extremely accurately, and then they would kill it, and they would look for a weight loss. Mm. What, what, did, what did the life force weigh? What, we know that something's, we know that this, that this test rat or whatever is different now, that it's that that we've killed it, but how do we reduce this? Where is it? What what is life? How much does life weigh? And and it turns out the dead rat weighs exactly the same as the living rat does. And and this is a real problem for for science and and reductionism because it 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 appears to be magic. It's like well something's different. Yeah. Well, what is it? Well, we don't know. We anybody can tell, but nobody can tell you what it is. This this is the kind of blindness, the kind of blind spot that that science has, economics has, any study of complex systems. Look, we have done amazing, amazing things as a species, astonishing, astonishing things with our brains, absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. But we need to have the um, fundamental humility and the fundamental just not even wisdom, just common sense, just just to face the obvious that things are more complex than we think they are. And in your example of the apple. You could say, oh, well, the apple gives you vitamin C or whatever. Yes. So we boil down the vitamin C here, take, here, take the, the amount of vitamin C in an apple, and it's not working. Well, it's not working for off the top of my head. It's not working because you didn't include the catalytic chemicals that make this, that make this reaction go much faster or more efficiently. Or you, did, or you didn't include what sunlight does to the vitamin after it's been in the apple for what? It's just thousands of things that are, that are variables there. And this is the... This is where we are now as a society. We've been so successful with reductionism that we think we can reduce our way to everything, but we can't. The sum, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. There's something magically missing from the reductionist model of the world. And this is why things like climate science are, are not producing the results they wanted. Search for artificial intelligence is not producing the search the results that they wanted. Economists don't get the results they wanted. Computer models don't get the results they wanted. And people eating apples don't get the results they wanted. Stand back a little bit and realize that it's, it's tremendous that you can isolate parts, but you will never be able to put together the synthesis that works if you don't stop using a reductionist mindset to get there. And I, th I think sometimes, um, especially people who are called conservatives, are portrayed as being um, cold and insensitive. Um, and the the phrase, the French phrase "laissez-faire," uh, used in terms of economics, which basically means leave it alone. Um, leave it alone. And and 
And frankly, we do ourselves few favors. Many of us who communicate on these topics often sound cold and insensitive and just say, you know, leave it alone, screw it, don't. But I think what we're really about, and if true conservatism isn't about saying, um, you know, don't do anything to help people, but it's about saying, look, the whole system is beautifully designed to be self-correcting. It is, it is a gorgeous work of art. Don't try to, you know, take a pen in hand and improve upon the Mona Lisa. Absolutely. You know, this, and it's not that, I don't think you're a bad person if you try to do this. In fact, I think a lot of people who are trying to, to tweak things when it comes to the economy are doing it for the best of reasons. They think they're going to help somebody. They think they truly can. And... I think they think that because humanity has achieved amazing things through the centuries and especially in the last century or so. You know, and the, the classic example that people always trot out, you know, and you hear this in the supermarket when somebody says if they can put a man on the moon, why can't they get a shopping cart with four wheels that move the same direction? Um, you know, it's that, that idea that if we can put a man on the moon, we can do anything. That's partially true. But there, here's the problem. There are three kinds of, uh, of situations that you face in life. Some problems are simple. Some problems are complicated. And some problems are complex in the sense of irreducibly complex. Simple problems usually have simple solutions. Complicated problems usually have complicated solutions. Irreducibly complex problems do not have solutions outside of the process itself. And so the most the, the getting to the moon was a complicated problem. The complex part of getting to the moon was all the people who were involved in it. The people on the ship, the people at the at the control center back in Houston, the people in all the factories and all the places that, were, that had anything to do with that program. That was the irreducible complexity part of it. And you really just kind of had to hope that human nature would overcome its weaknesses and everybody would pull together. And so they would have systems and processes designed to work with the fallibility of human nature to make sure that we had double-checked things and triple-checked things and made sure that everything worked. But if you think that you can transfer that, well, if we can put a man on the moon, <clears throat> therefore, we can make an economy that always hovers at 3% unemployment and 2% inflation. It's not the same. You have all these people who don't all have a common mission. They're all out there doing what they want to do to make their, their, themselves happy. They are pursuing various kinds of work. They are buying various kinds of things. You can't control all of their behavior and still have anything approaching a free society. And so if you think that conservatism means being a cold SOB that doesn't want to help people, might I suggest that you look into it a little further and say, what if this whole collection of humanity left largely to its own devices would actually self-correct along the way? People would make bad decisions, but then some of those same people would correct those bad decisions or people would make bad decisions and others would step in and correct those decisions. What if the economy is the human body and we don't need a super pill or vitamin we just need to eat the apple that's right there. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right oh, Angle great. possible. And I just want to say, which is not part of the show, 
I just want to say, <laughs> it wasn't an apple in the Garden of Eden. Don't give me that crap. <laughs> it was the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not an apple. Did it, did it, was it never It never was di- identified as no, an apple? ever. Okay. Could have been a pomegranate? No. It was, it was the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's organic. You get those at Whole Foods, but they're That's just right. crazy Yeah, but expensive. only if you're wearing Lululemon and, and, yoga and, and, pants. And nobody, and nobody at Whole Foods, but nobody at Whole Foods That's eats right. them. <laughs> you buy them and take them home because you want people to think you eat them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs>